good to see you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here uh, at Soul City Church. I am so, so glad. You are in for a treat today. You're going to get a glimpse of heaven today as we celebrate what transformation looks like in public. Baptism Sunday is one of my favorite, favorite Sundays. Uh, before we get into the message and our celebration of baptism today, I want to let you know about something very exciting that's going on in our church, and it's coming up in a couple weeks. Easter is coming up in just a few short weeks. It's a little bit later this year. That means it's going to be nicer out. We believe in faith that it will be nice out. And we uh, are really uh, going to be centering our attention and our prayer and our efforts on our Easter celebration for the next couple weeks. And I wanted to let you know about it so that you can actually begin to start inviting friends. Easter's coming up uh, on the weekend of April 20th and 21st. We're actually doing Uh, identical services, one on Saturday, so there's a Saturday option if you want to come out on the 20th, and then we're going to be doing four on Sunday, the 21st. Now, why am I telling you this now? Because Easter, for us around here, we say this every year, it's like our Super Bowl. Like, this is kind of what we bank everything on. It's the center and the heart of our faith, and it's a time where people are more open to going to church. People who would not regularly go to church are open, for whatever reason, to going to church on Easter. Do you know that that 93% of people who are invited to an Easter Sunday will respond yes to an Easter invitation versus any other Sunday. 93%. Now, that's not a real number. I just made that up. That's not a real... (laughs) But doesn't it feel right? It feels like it should be right, right? It's not. I just made it up. I want to be clear. I made that up. But it feels right. People are more open. They're more open. And so my hunch is is that there's people you know at work. There's people you know that you've talked about this church or this place or your relationship with God. There's people in your family. There's people who need to be sitting with you. And so we're telling you this now so that you can actually get tickets for Easter. Now, I want to be really clear. These are free tickets. We say this every year. If someone is scalping tickets outside, they are not with us. These are free tickets. But you need a ticket to get in. In the past, it's been more like an RSVP, but this is our most attended weekend of the year, exponentially more so than any other year. So we do tickets. We're actually going to take tickets at each of the gatherings. And so what we want you to do is reserve your free tickets in faith. I want you to think even right now, who are the folks from work? Who are the folks in my family? Who are some neighbors that I want to be with me? And then reserve those tickets. And I will say this, knowing our church, do it sooner rather than later because these services fill up and we want to make sure that there is room for everyone to hear about the transforming love of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's coming up in a couple weeks, but we want you to know about it now so that you can actually be uh, prepared. The reason that we're able to do what we do, our team is working so hard for our Easter gatherings, The reason we're able to do that and all the things that we do uh, throughout the week, every week as a church, is because of everyday, ordinary, faithful folks like you saying yes to God, responding to God's goodness in your life and saying, God, I want to give back to you. We provide opportunities every time we gather for you to respond to God's faithfulness and goodness in your life. And one of the ways we give back to God is of our resources. We give of our stuff back to God because we recognize it as a gift from God. And when you do, it enables this church to do what it does all throughout the week, all throughout the city, and literally around the world. And so three ways that you can do that. You can actually do that the old school way in the buckets. We'll have buckets uh, going by in a minute. You can text in to give or go online to give. That's how actually the majority of our church, the vast majority of our church, give that way online. We set it up so we don't mess it up. Does that make sense? And so Jeannie and I do it that way. Our staff does it that way. We want to encourage you to do it that way. But we want to invite our amazing volunteers to come forward right now to give you an opportunity to give back to God, to respond to his faithfulness and goodness and extend the work of this church. Now, as you do that, I'm going to have you multitask. I want you to think about something in your life 
that is new. I want you to think about the newest thing you got in your life. What's the newest new thing you got? Maybe it was a new outfit. Maybe you got a new haircut yesterday. Maybe it's a new car. I want you to turn to the person next to you. What's a new thing that you recently got in your life? Take 30 seconds to share with the person next to you, big or small, whatever it is. What's a new thing in your life? Go ahead. to share something new in their life. Now look, when you talk about, doesn't that feel fun to talk about a new thing in your life? We love new things. We love, maybe for you, you got a new pair of shoes recently and you love, remember when you were a kid and you got new shoes? It was like the best day, the best week of your life. You could run faster. You could jump higher all because of your new shoes. Getting a new pair of shoes kind of feels great. you right for you. Maybe for you, it's, um, you got a new car recently or maybe a new to you car and it feels great. You're like, oh man, this is really great. I love this car. In fact, we love new so much when it comes to cars that we even talk about the new car smell. We love that smell. We get high on that. Just that new car smell of just like, oh man, this is awesome. It's brand new and it's mine. It's a great, great, great uh, feeling. Uh, for me recently, I um, bought a new pair of sunglasses uh, and I brought them with me. Here they are. Yeah, let's hear it for sunglasses. I, uh, what do y'all think of these new sunglasses? (laughs) Listen, I thought it'd be funny if I preached the whole sermon in my sunglasses. How weird would that be? It would look great on Instagram. No, it wouldn't. Uh, I, so I got these new sunglasses and I really, I like them. They're great. I had some birthday money. I wanted to get some new sunglasses. Now let me tell you a little bit about why I got new sunglasses. It's, uh, uh, it's not because my old pair broke. Nope. I still have them. They work fine. The sun didn't get brighter in the last couple years since I bought them that we know of. Uh, they're not, they didn't lose their protectiveness, my old pair. I just wanted a new pair. You ever have, I just wanted a new pair. And that's what we do lots of times. It can be big things, it can be small things, but we love that feeling of new. And we love how it feels for a while until it doesn't feel new anymore. You know that feeling too. It's like, oh, this old thing doesn't feel new anymore. It kind of loses some of its freshness. It loses some of its excitement. It loses its newness. And so to get that feeling again, what do we do? We go get something else new and we kind of can perpetuate that forever. Why is that, that we do that so much? I think it's because we love that feeling of new and all that it promises and all that it holds. And in fact, you are not the only person that loves new. In fact, the God who made you loves new far more than you. He loves new. He loves making things new. In fact, he loves making you new. You know how I know this? It's in the Bible. In fact, we've been in a teaching series called As It Is in Heaven. We're looking at the prayer that Jesus prayed in Matthew 6, where he prayed, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we've said all along, we don't know a ton about heaven, but we get a few glimpses of heaven. And several of them come from the book of Revelation. At the end of the Bible, one of Jesus' disciples, John, was given a vision of heaven. We don't know exactly how it all worked, but God allowed him to see into that space. 
and he wrote it down. And so we have an account. And sometimes it's kind of cryptic and metaphorical, and sometimes it seems pretty literal. But we have an account of what is going on in heaven. While we don't know everything, we do know enough. And one of the things we know is that God loves new. Let me show you. You don't have to turn there. Revelation 21, verse 3 says this. John, now having a vision of heaven. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell, he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. It's a beautiful picture about the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. But look what else he says. Verse 4. He will wipe every tear. Listen to this. He will wipe every tear. Every tear cried in grief. Every tear cried in loss. Every tear cried alone. Every tear cried together. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, praise God, for the old order of things has passed away. Now, I'm going to pause here in a moment, this next verse, and you're going to shout out the last word. You ready? He who was seated on the throne said, I am making what? I am making everything new. That's what's actually going on right now in heaven. I am making everything new. This eternal, unseen for us right now realm is being perpetually made new, that it never wears out. That's what God is doing. Eternity is a long time, and God says, yep, it is always, I am always making things new. The luster and wonder of heaven will never wear out. There will never be potholes in the streets of gold in heaven because it will never wear out. There are plenty of potholes here on earth. We have plenty of those in Chicago, the capital of potholes, but in heaven there are no potholes. Because why? Nothing grows old in heaven. Everything is always being made new. That's what God loves to do. What God loves to do is make people new. That's what God loves to do. He loves to make people new. He loves to take worn out and, and washed up, beat up and, and beat down people and make them new. People who are sick of being stuck, who can't seem to get out of their own rut, he makes them new. That's what God loves to do. So the question for us to consider today is this. Do you believe that God can make you new? Do you believe that God can make you new? Now, I'm just, this is not a comparison thing. At the 8.30 and the 10 o'clock, I asked that question, and a lot of people said, yes! So I'm going to ask it again. If just, if, I'm not t telling you that has to be your answer, but I'm just letting you. <clears throat> do you believe that God can make you new? Yes. You do! That's fantastic! I believe that God, and in fact, if you know me, you know I need to be made new. And so do you. And what God loves to do is make people new. The question is, though, do you really believe that he can make you new from the inside out? Just like what is going on in heaven, he can be in the process of transformation. That's what we call it, making you new. Now, baptism is one of the best pictures we have here on earth of what that looks like. Ordinary, everyday folks being made new by the transforming love of Jesus. And I thought it would be important as we move into a baptism celebration today to go back to the very first baptism that we have recorded in the Bible and look at what was going on there, what God was teaching us about himself and about us 
and actually get one of the clearest glimpses of heaven that we have in the Bible. It's a powerful moment, and it's found in Matthew chapter 3. So if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. If you brought one with you, awesome. Got it on your phone. Go ahead and open that app. If not, look right under your seat or on the armchair if you're up in the balcony. Look right on your seat. You'll find a Soul City Bible, and you can actually turn in the Soul City Bible to page 785. Page 785 in the Soul City Bible. We'll get you there. Let me give you some quick context as to where we're coming at in Matthew chapter 3. Grab a pen too, because we're going to take some notes in this passage. Uh, here's where we're coming to in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, Jesus had yet to begin his public ministry. In fact, he'd spent the majority of his life in relative obscurity. We know a little bit about his birth. We had like an incident when he was a teenager, and then nothing is recorded. And so this is Jesus coming out of that obscurity and kicking off the last three years of his life, what we call his public ministry. Now, at this same moment, his cousin John was out actually in the desert in the River Jordan baptizing people as a symbolic gesture of repentance, of saying we want a new way. See, people have been wanting new uh, as long as the world has been around. And so John was baptizing people as a way of people repenting and coming back to God. Well, Jesus decides that he's going to visit his cousin John and be baptized. Now, he comes walking towards the water. You can imagine this is John now who knows his cousin as his cousin, but now recognizes him as Jesus, God's own son, the Christ. He sees him as the Christ, and he says, oh my gosh, this is what we've been waiting for, this is what it's all been building for. And he sees Jesus coming to the waters, and John assumes it's because Jesus is coming to baptize him. So John's kind of in the waters, like, back up, back up, and he just kind of gets ready for Jesus to baptize him. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to be baptized by you. And it's to fulfill all of God's faithfulness, and it's to show that I am so aligned with God's people, with humanity, that I'm going to literally wade in the waters of baptism, swirling and teeming with all the sin of humanity. Jesus says, I am comfortable here. And I too am going to be baptized. Now it's important to note, he did not need to be baptized. He did not to didn't need to confess any sin. He was pure, blameless in every way. This was an act of him aligning himself with us. And it gives us a powerful moment to get a glimpse into heaven. Let's read together in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. John baptizes Jesus, and it says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, what's the word? At that moment, heaven was opened up. It literally, now I don't know what that means, but somehow it was enough that people noticed. There were eyewitnesses who said, oh, it looks like heaven's opening up. It opened up in some kind of way, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or resting or covering Jesus. There's something so powerful that's happening in this moment. When Jesus comes out of the water of being baptized, all of the love and joy of heaven cannot be contained in that unseen realm anymore. It literally spills over into earth. And for a brief moment, we get to see what it's like to have heaven here on earth. It just pours out over Jesus. And in fact, it goes on to say this, verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I what? Whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. I'm so pleased. I delight in him. Now we're going to get to that phrase in just a second because it's incredibly important. I think it's at the heart of why you're here today. But I just want to, like the Bible nerd in me has to just pause for a second. And just note that we're reading about something that doesn't happen anywhere else in the Bible. This passage, there's nothing else like it in the Bible. Why? Because it's the only place in the Bible that we have a physical manifestation of all three members of the Trinity. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the Bible. 
at Jesus' baptism, you see Jesus himself being fully God and fully human. He was fully physically there, right? And then also the text just told us that people saw heaven open up, whatever that means, and the Spirit of God coming down, somehow it was enough of a shape that people said, it looks like a dove. Like they didn't know what to call it or what it was, but they were able to see the Spirit resting on Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, then they heard the Father say those words, this is my Son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. You have the representation of Jesus, and you have the Father, and you have the Spirit all in one place, in one moment. And what is that moment? It's baptism. It's incredibly significant to pay attention to. But that phrase that I think is really important too, it's important to to catch the timing of when God said, this is my son whom I love and I'm so pleased with him. It's important to pay attention to the timing because this is before Jesus ever preached a sermon. This is before Jesus ever performed a miracle. This is before Jesus fed the 5,000, before he healed one person, before he even went to the cross. This is before an empty tomb, before he did anything for God, God says, I delight in you. You're my son. I love you just for who you are. You are so deeply loved that heaven itself could not contain the love of God. And I think that is the same message that you and I need to hear as well. You are deeply and powerfully loved by the God of the universe universe before you could even do anything and not because of anything you could ever do. He just loves you. And you could probably give a million reasons why you shouldn't, but God says, no, I love you. There's not a single thing you can do to earn that love. He offers it free. Remember, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. And God says, I love you. I love you. I delight in you. You can't do a single thing to earn the love of God. And you can't do a thing to change the love of God for you. He loves you. You are loved. And this is a fundamental transformational truth if you really get it and you really believe it. That no matter how significant or insignificant you think you are in this world, no no matter how hard you've worked to get to where you got and get what you've got in this world, listen, before you were anything in this world, before you were anything, you were everything to God. Do you know that? Before you were anything, before anyone knew anything about you, God knew everything about you and you were everything to him. Come on, where else are you going to get that kind of love? Who else is going to love you like that? God of the universe says you can't earn it. You can't change it. It is what it is. I love you. And to demonstrate his love for you, he sent his son, whom he loves, to offer his life for you and me. That is, what kind of love is that? Now listen, we get a glimpse of that kind of love here on earth. I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I, I love little babies, newborn babies. I love babies. Oh, my gosh, I love babies, specifically other people's babies. I really <laughs> I love, like, I love being able to hand it back. Like, I just love, like, because I love holding babies. And I love, and I will. I was at a party, like, it was last Sunday at someone's birthday party. And I said, give me that baby. And I just took that baby and walked around that baby. I love that baby's smell. It's so soft. And I love singing to it. I love holding. I love, but again, I also uh, love being able to give it back. Uh, when we had our, when our kids were little, I held Gigi so much, it was probably to her detriment. Like, she should have probably been in bed, but I'd just be holding her and holding her. I just couldn't let go of her because I loved her so much. And you know this if you have a a child, right? You know this if you have a child. 
that, that you just you love and you love and you love. Or if you have nieces and nephews or someone that you love and care about and they have a newborn baby, just listen to how you talk to that baby. He's so cute. I love you so much. He's so beautiful. Oh, what's it going to do? And you just talk. You literally lose your mind lavishing love on this baby. And the question for you to consider is this. What has that baby done for you? <laughs> and especially those of you who are newborn parents, what's that baby done for you? Other than keep you up at night, other than make you stressed out and Googling things about you, rashes that you never thought you'd Google before, other than just kind of eating whenever they want, sleeping whenever they want, getting rid of food however they want, what has that baby done for you? Nothing, and yet you can't stop loving that baby, right? Okay, that's a fraction of how much God loves you. That's a glimpse of how much the Father loves you. He says to you, you're my daughter, I love you. I'm so pleased with who you are. You are my son, I love you. I'm so pleased with who you are. I know you've done all kinds of things you wish you hadn't done. I know about all those too. Nevertheless, I love you. And I won't stop loving you. And I can't stop loving you. That's how powerful God's love is for you. And because God loves you, you know what God loves to do? He wants to make you new. Make you new from the inside out. That's what God loves to do, is make you new. Baptism is such a beautiful picture of that. And I think it's important before we get to baptism today to talk about, just for a second, just to point out the difference between making new and, and a redo. You all know that there's a difference between getting a redo and being made new. You ever had one of those mornings where you just, it was just, it didn't work. I mean, everything was just off. You were short with everyone in the house. You were short at work. And you kind of maybe got out of it for a moment and you realized, oh, I am literally out of control. Something needs to be done about me right now. And you kind of had one of those things like, can I get a redo? Can I, just, can I get a redo? Can I get a do-over on this one? You ever have one of those moments? Uh, just me? Okay. Uh, I, I, like Jeannie and I, if we ever kind of get off the rails with each other, we get into an argument, we use that phrase in our marriage. Hey, I'm sorry. Can I get a redo? That was dumb. I, that was, I shouldn't have said that. It's, again, mostly me that says it, but can I get a redo? <laughs> Powerful thing to say, right? It's an important thing to say. You get to have a do-over. It's an awesome thing, right? But the thing with a redo is, is you just go back to where you started and do it again. That's great. But being made new is giving you a whole new trajectory. Being made new is giving you a whole new perspective. Being made new is an ongoing process. It's not just like when you say yes to Jesus, he makes you new, then leaves you on your own. That's not what he talks about in the Bible. The work he wants to do in you is a constant making new so that you have new eyes, new heart, new perspective, new values, and that every day is a new day with God. It's a powerful thing to pay attention to and something we get to see as we celebrate baptism. God loves to make people new, including you. He wants to make you new. And the important thing to pay attention to as well, and I'll close with this, is is that you don't have to wait to be made new. I think lots of times we get this all twisted and we think, all right, I, I want what God has for me, but I got to get rid of some stuff in my life first. I got to clean some stuff up first. I got to get some of the answers to these questions before I can go any further with God. I need to kind of sort out this relationship thing first before I go to God, okay? That's not how it works with God. You, you can do that, but that's not what God's, God's not waiting for anything. He's saying right now, you can be made new. I mean, God's not waiting for you to figure it all out. He's already done everything that only he could do to make a way for you to be made new. And so the question is, will you, in this now moment, say yes to him? Do you know that you actually, your new can begin now? Your new can begin now. Not when you get it all figured out, not later on, not tomorrow, not next month, not next year. 
now. Your new can begin now. And that's why I think baptism is such an important part of our rhythm of celebration as a church. Because we get this perfect imagery of your new being now. You get to see people, just think of the imagery, of people going from like an old life, being buried with their old life, dead in their old life. But that's not the end of the story. Baptism would really not be any fun if we just kept people under the water. It's like illegal. We can't do that. That's not the end of the story. What do we do? We raise them out of the water into new life, from death to life, from lost to found, from old to new. That's what God wants to do in you today, every day. And I could go on and on and on and talk about how much I think baptism is so important. I could tell you about how baptism is what transformation looks like in public. It's like what we say around here all the time. It's what transformation looks like. If you want to know what we're all about, you just watch baptism. You'll see what we're all about as a church. I could go on and on and on, explain that to you. But what I'd rather you do is hear the story of someone from our church who is being made new. He would tell you he's far from perfect but he's receiving the perfect love of God and being made new. So I want you to hear Damon's story, and I want you to consider if this might be the day for your new to begin now. Growing up, religion was always a part of my life. Uh, God was always a part of my life. Uh, I went to Catholic schools for 12 years. Um, and so prayer church was uh, was really a regular thing to me. You know, I believed in God, but I didn't really feel like I had a true connection. And once I got done with, uh, with 12 years of Catholic school, I was done. I was done with religion. Probably about five years ago, uh, my mother was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. And uh, unbeknownst to us, it was stage four. I think throughout that process when she was going through chemotherapy, uh, she opened my eyes to uh, a faith in Jesus. I think her faith and her ability to, to get through that, and, and she, she is with us today, she survived, she's healed, um, it made an impression on me. And so I, be, I began to get curious about it uh, because I began to meet people who came to Soul City Church. But that, but my, my first visit was still a ways off. About the time that I did was probably two years after my mom's illness. I was curious enough that, all right, today's the day I'm gonna go and check it out. Once I spent several months in the church, and it might've even been a year or so, uh, I went to my first small group it was all of that that then led me up to um, the day that I actually um, decided to be baptized. For whatever reason that day, I, I was feeling really anxious once he started talking about it because I was like, is this me like thinking about getting baptized? Like that was really kind of my thought process. I think the thing that really, that kind of turned it for me, he said, uh, and if you're thinking about doing it today, um, don't let the perfect time get in the way of the present. Oh geez. So that was, that was really it for me. But I remember everyone standing around and I remembered myself saying, 
this is really about to happen. And then when when he dunked me and I came back up, it was uh, it was like a feeling of relief from something that I should have done that I've been working up to for years and I just didn't even know it. And I and I have to say, having been baptized and uh, and grown in my faith doesn't mean that you know life is is all peaches and cream. I mean, it's not a straight line up. I've had. A lot of difficulties. I mean, I had a health scare uh, several months ago where it was really a near-death situation. I think the main thing I, I've realized is that once you once you surrender, you know, I'm not in control. God's in control. And once you realize that, uh, I feel like life becomes so much simpler, and you can release a lot of the pressure that's over you now. If you're halfway on the fence thinking about it, I encourage you to do it today. Uh, Damon is what we call in my industry uh, a closer. Uh, he's, he is, I mean, what else can you say to that? Someone just saying, yeah, for years and years, I've kind of walked around and kicked the tires of a relationship with God and finally got to the point where I just couldn't do that anymore. And I just, I just wanted to. I had to say yes to him. And that is the invitation today. We want, if you have said yes to Jesus, the next yes is baptism. And if you said yes 20 years ago, if you said yes a couple weeks ago when a bunch of folks in our church said yes to Jesus, or if you haven't even said yes to him, but, but you want to today, the next yes is to be baptized, is to go public with that decision to say yes to Jesus. So in a moment, we're going to invite anyone who wants to get baptized. Like balcony folks, I'm talking to you. All the folks here, I'm talking to you. Anyone who wants to get baptized, get baptized. Let me say a few quick disclaimers, then I want you to, I really want you to take advantage of this moment. Don't miss it. Uh, first thing is about infant baptism. And maybe you were baptized as a baby. And you wonder if this competes with that or if this cancels that out. And it couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, what your parents did when you were a baby, it was something they did for you. It was a declaration of their intention for you to find God one day. So this isn't the uh, cancellation of that. This is the completion of that. This is you saying, I did. I found Jesus and I want the world to know where you prayed for me as a baby, I've actually done. So this doesn't work in competition with that. It actually is a beautiful completion of that. Uh, second thing we say this all the time about the water. There's nothing magical or special or holy about the water. We don't fly it in from Rome. We don't scoop it from the Jordan River. This is Lake Michigan water, and so we say this all the time. Pray for those who are getting in this water today, because God only knows what's in that lake. So it's normal water, but remember, it serves as that symbol of all things being made new, right? From death to life, from old to new. It's a symbol is what it is. And then um, if, if you're here and going, man, I think I want to do this today, but I didn't come dressed for baptism. You know, these are my Sunday clothes. These aren't my play clothes. Like, you didn't come ready for that. Here's the, the thing. Our team has thought through everything. Everything you could possibly need, they literally have waiting for you right outside these doors. They've got uh, shorts. They've got T-shirt. They've got Soul City branded underwear, literally, waiting for you. It's not Soul City branded. We just thought that would be really cool if it was. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's just normal underwear. They've got hair products. They've got literally everything so that you have nothing to stand in the way of you saying yes. And they have it in every size. We don't want anyone 
to miss an opportunity to say yes and be baptized today. Now, last thing, if you've been to one of our baptisms before, you've heard me say this. I had to get special approval from Jeannie, but I've talked to management, and here's the deal. Today and today only, I can offer a two-for-one special. We're running a couple special on baptism today. And so if you want to get baptized as a couple, maybe a married couple or engaged couple, last service, we had a couple different parents get baptized at the same time as their kids. Powerful. We, we had a uh, about a seven-year-old kid get baptized with his mom next to him, and then he got out of the tank and got to baptize his mom with one of our pastors. Come on. That's powerful. And so maybe you're with someone, and maybe neither of you have ever been baptized before. You've said yes to Jesus, but you haven't been baptized. Maybe one of you had, but you said, you know what? I want to do this. I want our relationship to be marked by this incredible, outrageous love of God. Today's your day. We want you to do it, and our team will work to make sure that you can do that at the same time or with each other, but that's today and today only, so I want to make sure you take advantage of that. Okay, do you understand how this goes? I'm going to pray in a second. When I say amen, anyone who wants to get baptized, today is your day. If you said yes to Jesus, the next yes is baptism. So everyone stand up. We're all going to stand balcony down here on the floor as well. And I want to say a quick word to those of you who've been baptized, maybe here at Soul City, you've been baptized as an adult, I want you to start praying right now for people to say yes to God. Like you actively get to be a part right now. You're praying and joining with the Spirit of God. In fact, those of you who have been baptized, would you put a hand up and begin praying right now and saying, God, just pray for this room. Pray for anyone here that they would say yes to a movement of God. Not any sort of manipulation or obligation, but the freedom that comes from being made new in Jesus. I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, anyone who wants to get baptized goes right out those doors. Balcony, you go right down the stairs. Don't let a set of stairs keep you from the transformation God has for you, okay? You can do this. So let's close our eyes and open our hearts to God right now. And I'm just going to pray. God, I pray for anyone here right now who needs to be reminded that you make all things new and that you want to make them new. And God, I pray for anyone here who has yet to say yes to you, that today would be the day right now they would say yes to you. They would confess the mess they've made of their life, left on their own, the sin that has ensnared them. They would choose you, Jesus, as their way. Right now, they would say, I choose you, Jesus. I say yes to you, Jesus. You are my way. God, I pray for a movement of your Holy Spirit right now that we can't express or contain. That heaven would open up again, God. And we would get a glimpse of your incredible love. God, for everyone who said yes to you, would you remind them that this is the next yes and let us celebrate, mark a moment of transformation that you, God, continue to make all things new. So God, give us the courage to say yes to you, to respond to you, to not wait, to not delay, to not stall, but to right now today say yes to you and be baptized. God, we just want to give you all the glory for it, and we get to be a small part of that. So God, move, Holy Spirit, move. We pray right now. Help us to move from our seats into the waters of baptism. We pray this in your name. Amen.